Second episode of Geeking Out. I am Kevin. I'm Anthony. All right. Uh, yeah, we had like a two-week gap because uh, I work for the post office and stuff has been crazy. So and the world collapsed. And the world is getting worse every minute. I'm afraid to go on like CNN because <laughs> I'm just waiting to go. I'm like, oh, let me check the traffic on like NewJersey.com, and then I'll be like, oh. Uh, thunderstorms Friday night, followed by Godzilla Saturday morning. Yeah, really. It's like, is that thunder or is that Godzilla destroying Newark? I can't tell. Um, so it's been a little hectic, but hopefully, hopefully we can actually start doing this a bit more consistently and on like a, we should probably actually make a day to do this instead of just winging it. We probably should. We should probably do like every Monday or every Friday or something. Every whatever day. Yeah. Um, so we got two real, like, two main topics, like, I guess two stories to talk about, both AMD, and then we're just gonna kind of geek out about Apple, because I haven't had a good talk about Apple in a while, and I don't know if you do this, but I'm really lame and boring, so I actually went on YouTube, and I started watching old press conferences from, like, Macworld and, uh, like, WWDC from, like, 97 to like mm -hmm. the late 2000s for steve jobs just like watching the old announcements i've like, done that a little bit um it's fascinating i, watched, I, I recently rewatched the original iphone announcement that's like it, it's mind-blowing to watch when he just goes like oh how do you scroll through your music oh you just do this and he flicks his finger and that you hear the audience like reacts like oh my god and it's like it's so revolutionary whoa like i remember um it was the first time they actually demoed Mac OS X. And they were like, oh, let's say you want to save your document, but your window is small like this. And like, how do you know where the menu, like the save button, how do you know which app it goes to? Oh, it just does this. And top of the page, it collapses. Yeah, and just you hear the audience go like, <gasps> and they just gasp. And it's just like, it's really, it's been really fun and making me feel old to watch some of this stuff so definitely going to talk about apple but we're going to start with amd so uh let's, do it. let's see so we got uh what's the current amd gpu is navi out now oh, no it's it's vague I, I believe it's vega but i'm not 100 percent sure because i thought that vega was like the uh the, the ones that came out a couple of years ago the 56 and the 76 i thought it was I haven't bought GPUs in a while, so I forget. Same. Um, I don't remember what there is Whoops. now because I know we have like the fifty six hundred, the fifty seven hundred. I think it's the same architecture, but I'm not sure uh, what exactly they're calling this one. If they're calling it Vega, or if they're calling it something different. Oh, okay. You know what? Uh, if I'm correct now, uh, like the new five thousand series, that's Navi. So. The things okay, coming so out this Navi. year is big Navi. That's the that's supposed to be AMD's big high end GPU. Like the like when we're in the first talk about Polaris and we're like, oh man, hopefully AMD has a real high end chip and blah blah blah. Like I this, like Polaris. It was good for what it was, but it wasn't the high end thing a lot of people really I think wanted. Yeah, here's the thing though. A lot of people want to see the high-end thing a lot of people want to see the new titan x a lot of people want to see the new 2080 rtx 2080s 
But a lot of people don't have the money for that. A lot of people, what they're really looking for is what's the performance of something like a 2060 or a 1650 slash 1660. What is the best I can get with that? That's really what it comes down to at the end of the day. And, the yeah. performance grade, the high end, is what brings people in. But people don't end up buying that. People end up buying mid-grade. And it's funny because a lot of us get worked up over the real high-end stuff. But then like, I just opened up Steam, if you can see it. Like... Mm -hmm the hardware specs. So like I'm running a 1070, but the most popular GPU is a 1060. Uh I can believe it. 16 gigs of RAM is most common on Steam. Uh 1080p is the most popular resolution. So it's like the standard like the most common uh rig used for gaming computers. It's you know, not, it's nothing crazy. So I, I think Polaris and even Navi kind of hits the sweet spot, and I think that's what AMD was trying to do. Right. But all the vocal ones, like, I'm... I don't know too much about the current Navi. I know there are some controversies with it, specifically with the firmware. Um, yeah. I don't know what unit it was on, but I do know there was something recently in regards to that they had released a new GPU. I think it might have been the 5700 XT, I, I thought it was. Don't quote me on that. I believe it was. Um and the firmware was all screwy on it, which was preventing full performance, and they released a firmware update for it, but they didn't have a plan in place for uh, third-party board partners Whoops. to actually put that in. So <laughs> people would be getting GPUs that essentially were not, quote-unquote, unlocked for what yeah. they're really capable of. Forget overclocking, what they can even do stock. Yeah. So uh, I believe that was the 5500. But... um. It so was? I believe it was. Okay. That, it could have been, yeah. So that's Navi uh, using the, it's their RDNA code name, I guess that's what you call it. So we've known for a while that the PS5 and Xbox Series X are going to use AMD. Uh, their CPUs are Zen 2 based. Pretty high on stuff. Right. Also Navi based. So um, AMD, we've been waiting to hear like new AMD gpus for the computer so i guess it's called big navi or navi 2 some people say so that's going to be rdna 2 that's coming later this year the rumor is september or october and apparently big navi is going to be the first rdna 2 product available so that would mean that whatever gpu we get is going to be the first it's going to be the first big Navi release we see. So we're going to have a new AMD GPU before the PS5 and Xbox Series X come out. I wonder how that will affect the way we view them. You know, right now we're looking at something like the Xbox Series X as essentially taking the place of a budget PC. Yeah. Like, not like how we did looked at, let's say, the Xbox One X, where that came close but wasn't quite there. Now we are literally looking at, hey your PC is no longer really worthwhile at this point unless you have another use for it. For just gaming, if you don't have, you know, if you're, if you're at a certain price point, you might as well just get an Xbox Series X. Nothing wrong with it. I'm going to probably get them both, but... Yeah, I mean... The performance we're seeing is fantastic. Yeah, I feel like I, I definitely want to upgrade my GPU, and it's funny, for the longest time, uh, for years, I had different monitors that all were FreeSync compatible. Like, I had some Pixio monitors, and then at one point I had two Pixio monitors, and they were all free sync. 
I finally caved when I got my Acer Predator Ultra Wide. That's G Sync, so I'm happy. But so it's like I kind of feel like I'm stuck with Nvidia just because I really, really like having no screen tearing. Right. <laughs> so I'm kind of like, watch this is like watch this be the time. Uh, well, this this is G Sync only. This monitor. Well, yeah, your monitor is yeah. So as I'm just gonna keep that monitor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I thought you meant even post that monitor. No, I mean, I am considering getting another screen, which I know that sounds ridiculous because it's an ultra-wide, but I would get another screen at maybe like a 4K for when I'm editing videos, I would have a dedicated 4K screen to be like a preview, and maybe right. I could get like free sync for that maybe or something, but regardless, uh, Big Navi, Navi 2, whatever it's called, it's going to be first on PC before the consoles, so we're going to get our first taste. Sounds like around September, maybe October, and I'm excited. Because apparently also NVIDIA may have their new, like, consumer gaming GPUs also coming out around the same time? They typically, they seem to come out around the same time. At least that's probably, I mean, I guess... That's probably not what they aim for, but something similar to it. Because I remember Pascal came out, like, I think, like, I mean, that was, what, 2016, right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure that was, like, May or June. Yeah, it was something like May or June. They released the 1080 and the 1070, and then they went from there. And then I got my 1070, I think, that, like, November. I bought a 1070 Ti right during the middle of the GPU crisis because I couldn't find a 1070 oh, for a reasonable price. All the uh, the mining and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I missed out on a lot of good 1080 deals. I regret not taking. You know, I I was a mouse click away from buying a Vega 32 because there was a guy selling a Vega 32, and you could flash the firmware on those to make them basically like a Vega 64, like within like a frame or two. Right. Oh, it's the 32 and the 64. Those are the two, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you could, like, this guy was selling a Vega 32 used for mining for, like, 250 bucks, but... Oh, it, God, no. But it, it worked. I, I would not buy one used for mining. Because here's the thing. I mean, I, I didn't, but... <laughs> yeah. I, I personally would not take that risk just because, yes, it is a good price. It may work. It may have been used for mining, but you've got to consider... If that's used for mining, that is probably going to be under near 100% load for very long extended periods. If not 24-7, then we're talking like, you know, at least 12 hours a day. That's going to be under heavy load. Yeah. As the heat builds up, you know, the solder in that chip is going to start coming loose. Yeah. It's just not going to work as good over time with that much heat buildup. It gets too heat soaked. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons why i didn't get it but part of me was just like because huh? i still had free sync and i was right. so desperate at the time i'm like what if i did this flash the firmware so it was like a vega 64 and then like i'm like no this is too dumb even for me like it's 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 kind of unfortunate that that happened this that gpu markup because that's right around the time that we were seeing gpus start to get really fun like that yeah. was right when vega released that was right then yeah I, and I still like to go on EVGA's website, because so, you can take a look at like their used and uh, well not used. Oh, they have like, used. I didn't even know. Uh, that. I I said used, but I I meant to say B stock. So it's like cards that got sent in and fixed. Gotcha. 
So like they actually have in stock though for that price. Yeah, so these are uh, 1080s, 1080Ti's. So here's an issue I have. That's ab- first of all, that's unbelievably expensive. That that there's no way they're going for that new, mm. anything close to that. No, but this is a good price for a 2080Ti, B stock for they, for 950. This is a problem I have with GPUs now. They are becoming <laughs> exorbitantly expensive. Yeah. The only I need to start reviewing some benchmarks because the only thing that I can see that could justify that or in any way them becoming that expensive, in my opinion, is that you have to have cards on the lower end of the spectrum start to become more powerful than they were significantly so. Okay, so we can't have, let's say, like a 1070, which is as powerful as a 980 Ti. You know, you can't do that anymore. Now you, have, you need to have some, like, real gains to really be charging that much. Like, a 2080 Ti, how much more powerful is that than a 1080 Ti, removing ray tracing? I mean, it is definitely better. Um, now, if you had, like, a 1080 Ti... And then you bought a 2080 Ti for like 1300 whatever it was. I don't know if it's worth <laughs> dropping that kind of money on it. Yeah. But like, so I'm going to look up this Red Dead Redemption 2 benchmark. We'll do, we'll do 1440p and 4K. Right, so ultra quality. Like, like I get it. Manufacturing processes, when you go up in scale, when you get a more powerful car, the manufacturing process is going to be more difficult. I completely understand that. Hence why it's costing more. Yeah. But again, this is a drastic increase in price. What does that say? I can't really totally see it. Okay. Um, so I'm looking at two. Not, if they're doing anything with SLI, I doubt they are, but just remove that. No, it's no SLI. So okay. this top window is 1440p, and then we got 4K. Okay. Let's look at... Let's look at 1440p first. Yeah, so it's more accessible. So the 1080 Ti, so ultra quality, DirectX 12, 1440p, average frame rate on the 1080 Ti was 43 frames. The 2080 Ti was 66. So you're paying like. So how much was the 2080 Ti brand new? It's like what 1300, right? Yeah, the cheaper one looked like it was about a thousand bucks for a reference card. Yeah, that B stock one was 950. Okay, so you're really paying a minimum of nine fifty to a thousand dollars new, yeah, or new ish, and you're getting like twenty three frames extra in like Red Dead. If you go to four K, the twenty eighty Ti is the only one that goes over forty frames per second. I mean, th- that's all. <laughs> My ten seventy at four K, everything like on Ultra, I would get on average seventeen frames. On which one? On your ten seventy? My the, yeah, I'm using uh, Guru three D. So yeah, yeah. The, the 1070 is getting 17 frames. <laughs> I mean, that's... I'm not a, this but, is exactly why I'm not a fan of 4K gaming, though, because it's... It, even today, even with the gains that we have had, if you really wanted to max everything out at 4K, which, again, you don't need to max everything. Play on high. You don't need ultra. You really won't notice any difference, I'm telling you. Yeah. Just play on high. But but if you really wanted to max it out, we are talking a tremendous... You're, you're going to have at minimum $2,500 computer still. That's like the same price as it was years ago, and I'm willing to argue that point. Now, the interesting thing, have you um, looked at NVIDIA DLSS? No. Do you know anything about it? No, what is it? Okay, so it uses some of like the 
machine learning stuff they've been talking about for a while. Basically, it renders the game at a lower resolution. And then using machine learning and AI, it like upscales the resolution. Mm-hmm. So you um, uh, I think it was Digital Foundry. Let me see if I can find the article real quick. It's an quick. interesting concept, but I'm trying to wrap my head around it because if you're rendering at a lower resolution, then you're going to have to re-render it again into a higher resolution, would you not? So that's why I'm not 100% positive exactly how all this works, but Digital Foundry did a video on it. So they did um, they used Control on you know Windows. They actually had the game running at 540p, and you on the computer and using DLSS, they basically get it looking like 1080p. Right. And you can tell in certain cases, like I forget uh, in Control, I forget the main character's name, but her, her red hair had some like little artifacting and certain little tiny things you can notice. But in motion with everything going on, you probably wouldn't see that stuff, really. Mm-hmm. But like, <laughs> basically, you were using DLSS, you were able to play Control at 540p, but it can look like 1080p. But you have a massive boost in FPS because the game is running at 540p. So, like, I'm not explaining it properly. This video from Digital Foundry, which I'm going to lower the volume because I don't want to... I don't want to... Trigger the YouTube copyright. Yeah. <laughs> you should be able to see this, though, because it's... Yeah. Well, 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 I don't want all that stuff. So, let's... I'm trying to find. Uh, oh wait, no, this is the wrong video. <laughs> there you go. That's why. That that's why it's so strange. Okay. Um, Nvidia DLSS. That's it. Okay. Yeah, the previous video was comparing the game on PC versus Xbox. I'm like, why is it not doing the thing? Okay, so let's take a look. Okay, so that's actually comparing DLSS 1.9 to 2.0. Um, okay, so if you look here on the left side, this was an older version of DLSS. Mm -hmm. So what basically this was doing is they were playing control at 1080p. It was rendering a 1080p, and then DLSS was upscaling the game to 4K. Right. Now, if you look on the left, you can see this creature. You can see all the crazy, like, Halo artifacts and, like, how jaggy it looks. Yeah. And then on the right, it's using 2.0, and you can see it is way better. Like, a lot. So it renders it in 1080p, but it upscales it to 4K. Yeah. And, um, there's. It's a cool concept. Because that would theoretically reduce the load on cards. Exactly. If this is doing what I think they're... I don't exactly know how they're doing this because I can't wrap my head around how it would upscale. I'm assuming it's doing something similar to a television. If you play like an HD movie on a 4K TV, it upscales it to 4K so that it fits in the screen. I'm sure they... 
like, I'm sure there's more technical breakdowns of it, but, like, okay, here's an interesting thing. So, you have these three pieces. The left is DLSS 1.9, middle is 2.0, and to the right is native 4K. So, the native 4K looks the best. I mean, yeah. it, it, it does. Um, but if you look at the middle at DLSS 2. Uh, version 2, it looks a lot better than 1.9 on the left. Tremendous but, amount. But uh, I feel like in motion when you're playing, you wouldn't notice that this much of is, a difference. This is good. Exactly what this is going to be. This is a middle ground. And this, I think, is in response to what I was talking about before with you know, the cost of these cards required yeah. to run 4K native becoming... You know, let me take that back. Running it, you don't need to run it at that with a 2080 Ti. You can run 4K with a lower card than that. You could run it, let's say, just with like a 2070 or a 1660. You can run 4K, but it depends on what you're looking at. What kind of settings do you want? Do you want ultra or are you okay with medium? You know, yeah. I think that this is their answer, though, to a lot of these cards where maybe, let's say, take like a 1070 like you've got or my 1070 Ti that maybe would just squeak out medium on 4K, maybe just squeak it out. I think this is the answer to those kind of cards to let people get more time with them if this is even going to run on Pascal. This is probably just going to run on I generation. I, I believe this is RTX yeah, uh, figured. onwards. But, uh, it's probably also another thing to give RTX, though, because RTX had some, as I recall, it had some issues with selling, but its main selling point was ray tracing. Wasn't that much of a jump without the ray tracing, and I, no one really wanted to pay for that. I mean, the 2060 and the 2060 Super definitely sold pretty well from everything I could gather. Uh, I feel like NVIDIA was ahead of the game with ray tracing. Right. And nobody, I don't think people really appreciated it at the time, but now that the PS5 and the Xbox Series X are pushing ray tracing, a lot more games are going to be using it because the consoles will. So now all of a yeah. sudden, NVIDIA's out there, it's like, oh, well, we already got the infrastructure in place to do this. Right, yeah, exactly. So, like, and the re yeah. But this is also the answer to what, I, what you just said before about how the 2060 and the 2060 Super were the ones that really sold heavily. Yeah, mid-range. I think this is in response to that because they know that a lot of these people have those cards. A yeah. lot of people don't want to pay a thousand dollars for a 2080 Ti, or even let's say that I guess it's seven hundred dollars for a 2070. I'm assuming. Probably, yeah. Somewhere around that price point. That's a tremendous amount of money just for a GPU. You you could build a computer for that price. You could build a whole computer that could run 1080, or even for a thousand dollars. Let's say for a thousand dollars, I could build your computer that will run 1440 relatively well. Yeah. So that's a tremendous amount of money to shell out. This is the answer for that. I like this. This is cool. There's only one downside with DLSS. What? Games have to be made with it in mind. Of course, just like ray tracing. Yeah. Yeah. So sense. this article, I mean, I get it. So this article was, this article, what the heck is that? This article uh, was made May 1st, completely. Uh, I don't know if this was the complete list of games. Oh, wait. This is GeForce Now? Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to see if I could try to find, like, a list of games that support it. But, yeah, basically, games need to be made for it. So, the like, Control is MechWarrior 5, Wolfenstein, Youngblood, 
but like you can't turn on like you, you can't pop on like Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Right. Which makes sense, but that also means just like ray tracing, it's gonna take time for that to really become a thing. Yeah, now hopefully they put it hopefully developers put in the time to do this because that would that would be great because that means people could buy like when they release the um, you know three thousand line in a couple months, you could buy like a thirty twenty, and then right. use like uh thirty six thirty twenty uh thirty sixty, whatever the mid range card whatever it is yeah thirty sixty yeah you could use that with DLSS and you can get some really good performance possibly with like ray tracing you know that there's good potential. And the reason why I think they really will need to do that segue to the second thing, still AMD related. Uh, this was the Linus thing we were talking about before he recorded, uh, started recording. Uh, so Linus from Linus Tech Tips on his podcast, The WAN Show, they were talking about um, the PS5 SSD with Tim Sweeney of Epic. And he... I don't remember exactly what Sweeney said, but he basically, paraphrasing, he said, you know what, instead of paraphrasing, because that's kind of what got Linus in trouble, I should probably, <laughs> I should probably. Instead of doing the exact same thing. Instead of doing Linus the exact did. same thing Linus did, I should probably just, you know. Poor Linus, I feel so bad. We all no, make mistakes, Linus. It's really okay. The Tim Sweeney says the PS5 is a remarkably balanced device. It has immense, immense amount of GPU power. Um, it's one thing to render everything that can fit into memory, but blah 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 blah. We've been working super close with Sony for quite a long time on storage. The system architecture on the PS5 is far ahead of anything you can buy on PC for any amount of money right now. This is going to help drive future PCs. The PC market is going to see this thing ship and say, oh, wow, SSD is going to need to catch up from this. So where Linus got in trouble was when you look up the PS5 SSD. Um, we don't, I don't need that YouTube video anymore. Um, the PS5 SSD. Here we go. Here's the image. Come on, zoom in. There we go. Okay. So it's targeting to move 5 gigabytes a second. And um, there are theoretically, like, I shouldn't say theoretically, there are technically SSDs on PC now with faster, pure faster, like, they're just very speeds. expensive. Yeah, they're ultra, ultra expensive. And that's just pure... He, like, he highlights an Aorus one, a Gigabyte Aorus one. How much is that one specifically? I'm curious. God, I, I feel like he mentioned on the on that episode of WAN Show, I think he said one of the SSDs was at least $1,000. I'm going to look. Yeah. I believe he said one of them was at least 1000 right. And I'm just like... That's absurd. You know, the average person, anybody building a gaming computer is not going to spend $1,000 on an SSD. Or at least I can't imagine people would. But I'm guessing it's I'm guessing it's this one, something similar to this guy here, this 8 terabyte one that I'm looking at on Amazon right now for, they're selling it for $1,898 Jesus American. Christ. This looks like it's <laughs> the one. This is, Yeah, this is the one, but I don't know if the price is different somewhere else. Um, 
yeah, this is the one here. It's oh, Jesus Christ, that's fast. 15 gig a second. Yeah. So what they were t- what Sony uh Mark Cerny from Sony specifically and Tim Sweeney of Epic were talking about it's not I mean, the PS5 SSD is stupid fast regardless, but what they were talking about also is just the architecture of the system. So for example, you can have an ultra fast SSD. Like I have an NVMe PCI-based SSD in my computer now. It's really quick. But to play to load some games like Witcher 3, it may take like 9 to 10 seconds to load. I'm not complaining because right. that's quick. That's yeah. quick. But yeah, just especially when you compare it to a hard drive. But it's just the way games are coded. Windows, the way it functions with Windows, it's just yeah. He th- highlights that too, though that a lot of this is Windows also. Yeah, there are limitations on how fast Windows can physically load a file, and that's the fascinating thing about what Sony is doing. So, I am not an expert with this. I'm gonna try to explain it like my best, but the potential, like what is so exciting about the PS5, it's not just 5.5 second it's not just five and a half gigs per second of like you know speed on the ssd but sony kind of changed the way the system actually can make like actually use the speed mm-hmm. so i have this article the articles from tweak town i got some pictures as well so sony built a special 12 channel memory controller um so the cpu is doing very little processing there's a dedicated chip for this and it basically works to access all this data really stupid quick so the cpu doesn't have to do it there's no software stuff like like windows 10 where it has certain issues like the ps5 os whatever they're calling it this special chip will allow the system to access that five and a half gigs way faster and that's kind of what Tim Sweeney was talking about. It's not just it's ultra fast. It's ultra fast, but the, archi- the architecture is way more efficient. Right, yeah, and exactly. it uses a new, uh, the PS5 uses a compression, a new compression system called Kraken. Uh, so if you, you can basically, after compression, you can basically move 20 gigabytes of compressed data per second. Which is absolutely insane. That is a tremendous so, amount. So, it's not just pure data. They're talking about, like, if you're playing an open-world game where you need to load textures and you need to learn, load assets, you don't need to wait for this stuff to go into memory. It's just, it's there. It's just, it's so quick. You don't need to wait for, like, textures to load. There shouldn't be any little stutter like Mass Effect, they had the elevators to hide loading assets. Everything will just be there. Because if you use compression, like five and a half gigs per second is nuts. If you use compression and you can move 20 gigs, that's absurd. So to be able to theoretically move 20 gigs, like that's nuts. So what's crazy is you have this stupid fast SSD, a Zen 2 CPU, a Navi GPU that is RDNA 2 based. This can do 4K 120 hertz. Apparently, can do 8K. Theor- like, I don't. I wonder how many games will do that. But on hardware side, it can do all this stuff. So my point is, I guess going back to the PC, is if 
GPUs keep going up in price, it is going to be really, really tough to tell somebody, oh, here's why you should spend $1,000 on this GPU and then spend X amount on this and this and this when I could just go, just, just buy PlayStation 5. <laughs> just l look at it. That is, that's what I think I'm excited for for this generation of consoles because this last generation... I said this on the last podcast. This last generation was the biggest letdown in consoles I think I've ever seen. It's such it was just such a letdown for me. The consoles were underpowered, so we had to get updates mid-console cycle through that were more powerful so that, you know, graphically you can keep up. Yes, you don't need to get an Xbox One S or a PS4 Pro, of course. Um but you needed that. Well, they needed to put that out, though. That way they can say they have consoles that can push and, 4K and because of how quickly technology I'm, moves. I'm going to give Microsoft a bit of credit because the Xbox One was by far the least power, like the most under, the most underpowered. I guess that's the right yeah. way to put it. The most underpowered. So they really did a lot with the Xbox One X, and they physically made the system smaller and quieter. So I will give them props that they made a, the smallest Xbox ever. It's whisper, mine's whisper quiet, and it was strong. While the PS4 Pro was better, but it wasn't like leaps and bound better, but it was even bigger. And I'm like, why? So, yeah, I never really understood why a lot of these things happened with them. Um, and also, of course, Jaguar. Yeah, well, that didn't help. Oh, can I point out, you know, the PS4, the PS4, how it's kind of like the, two, you have like the two thick layers, and then the middle piece, which is like thin. On the Pro? Uh, no, on the regular system. Oh, yeah, yeah. And now uh, the PS4 Pro, you have like the three big chunky layers. Right. They totally missed an opportunity. They could have painted that middle platter white and they had they could have had limited edition oreo ps4 pro <laughs> missed really funny missed I opportunity bad. i absolutely would have bought that. i would have bought i would have bought one for me one for katie one for my parents and they'd be like why did you do this i'm like because i love oreos and <laughs> what does I've... it matter with you people how do you not see the genius in this <laughs> but but that's the thing though <laughs> i I'm, think that i'm dumb you're <laughs> You know what? Here's the thing, though. I, when it com a console is, at the end of the day, console gaming is still, despite the fact that PC has caught up tremendously, console gaming is still much more popular and it is much more accessible in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's it's a lot quicker for someone to say, let me go to Walmart and buy a PlayStation 4 rather than let me do some research and buy a decent gaming computer or build one. So as much as we in the PC master race like to say that, you know, PC gaming is is better in every possible way than console. This is one way that I just simply don't know if we will ever match it. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing necessarily. You know, it, it's there's more choice on PC. I'm not saying it's a bad thing that console's yeah. easier to get into. Yeah. But it is a fact that we have to understand that console is the mainstream. It's the more mainstream of the two options. It's easier to get into. It's quicker. And you don't need to worry about fiddling with anything. You don't need to worry about settings, what you're playing at. Even What I'm excited oh, for... No, no sorry. I, what I'm just trying to say is that I'm excited for this new generation because it's going to push uh, PC forward yeah. a lot quicker, I think, than this last generation did. Oh, for sure. Because now they're going to have to, for the PC gaming world, they're going to have to give us more of a reason to stay with PC. You know, if the Xbox One X, let's say, comes out, just using that as an example, because we have, 
information on that. Well, we have PS5 information too now, so I can't really say that anymore. But regardless, if these consoles come out, let's say, I don't know, five, six hundred dollars, still expensive for a console. Let's say five hundred dollars. I've heard somewhere five hundred. Have you? Um, there's been rumors of four hundred. There's been rumors of four to five hundred. But um, who's uh? I think Jim Ryan is his name from Sony. Yeah, so he's the um head of not computer, so uh Sony Interactive Entertainment. They forgot they changed their name. Um, he didn't give a price, but he did say. Let me get his exact quote. Um, let's see. Blah blah blah. That's not. Because what I'm trying to say here with this is that if, it, if this comes in at $500, the mm. specs I'm seeing in this are really nice. Really good. Price. Here's the quote. Uh, so the console is still on track. There's no delays due to coronavirus. Jim Ryan hinted that the PS5 won't be cheap. He said, and I quote, I think the best way we can address this is by providing the best possible value proposition that we can. I don't necessarily mean lowest price. Value is a combination of many things. In our area, it means games, it means number of games, depth of games, breadth of games, quality of games, price of games, all these things, and how they avail themselves of the future set of the platform. So in other words, it's just going to be at least $500. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be at least... Surprised. I how much was the PS uh, the PS4 Pro when it came out was 400 I remember yeah. how much was the 1X cuz I know that was more expensive the, it was like 600 wasn't it So the Xbox okay so here's funny thing right Here's what Microsoft got everybody so the Xbox 1 launched day 1 for $500 Yeah When the Xbox 1X came out it released for $500 And I mean Microsoft, to my knowledge, they stopped announcing their sale totals for, like, the right, Xbox. Right, yeah, I remember that. They stopped after a while. So, I don't have numbers, those estimates that they've sold, like, 50 to 60 million systems. And, like, the Xbox One X is definitely popular. So, I'll, I mean, granted, like, I bought one. Like, I got it on sale. So, I got, um, it was a bundle that came with Fallout 76. That was $400. Which, by the way, uh, I just saw that online. That's on sale for 300 bucks now. Really? Nice. Yeah, I, I perused to uh, GameStop earlier today. I was looking to see if they had any you know, cheap games I could just pick up. Wow. Bored. But I'm not a big fan of GameStop anyway. I prefer to buy digital. Dude. Man, I went on Best Buy. Yeah, I told you it's cheap. The soul Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk, I feel like, is not going to come out for Xbox One and PS4 and this generation, really. Well, I really don't see Cyberpunk coming out yet. It seems like it's taking forever. It is coming out for the Xbox One, though. When, though? This year. When? Well, uh, I think September? Uh, I It's tough to remember because everything... Yeah, I think right now it's september so that to me says that we they're either no it's not even either i really don't see if that's the case i don't see uh the new consoles coming out until uh holiday yeah they, see coming out until holiday the, season they're both saying holiday but like check this out so like it's cool looking though i like that i actually find i actually think it's hideous but like 2.99 like damn that's yeah it's cheap that's a 1x yeah 
So that keep in mind now. Let's take this price point Oof, here. That's two ninety nine. The Xbox One X at launch was five hundred bucks. I, I think wasn't it? I'm pretty yeah, sure it was. It was yeah. So I'm thinking these consoles. People are saying five hundred dollars. I'm gonna say for the Xbox, I don't expect it to be anything less than around the six hundred dollar price point. The PS4 might be slightly cheaper than that. So here's the thing, though. Let's say, just hypothetically speaking, let's say they cost seven hundred and six hundred dollars respectively for the Xbox and then the PlayStation Four. Okay. Mm, yeah. Because you gotta account for inflation as well here. We gotta account for that. Um, a PS4 launched at four hundred dollars, and it that with inflation, I think that's something along the lines of four fifty to fit uh, five hundred today in twenty twenty. Yeah. So if we account for inflation, let's say minimum seven hundred, six hundred dollars for two consoles. If these consoles are essentially at this price point for the same power that we're seeing the rumors as and the leaks that we're getting out, everything, not just with the uh, the SSD and things like that, but the, the full specs that we're getting, I don't know if there's going to be much of a reason to go for a PC for the time being under a $1,000 price point. Yeah. If you're playing for gaming, unless you're using it for something else as well, um, in which case forget that statement because then that holds no water you can't edit videos for premiere on an xbox or a ps4 yet yeah no <laughs> so if that's the case then forget that but if you're just looking to game and if they're going to be as good as we're seeing i don't think i think that starting this holiday i'm not going to recommend pcs under a thousand dollars anymore for just gaming yeah like i can totally like i myself can justify buying an expensive gpu because like i can use hardware acceleration in davinci and premiere and whatever but i'm like a special use case where yeah, i use different. my computer to get work done but like if i you know as of right now i work for the post office so like today i was outside in the humidity and it was like 80 degrees and like if i just come home and i just want to play a game you know <laughs> It's really easy just to turn on the PS4 and just go. N not not complaining about launching Steam, but... You know, like, let's say I want to play on the TV. Yes, there's big screen mode, but some games have launchers, like City Skylines now. Yeah, and exactly. It's like, it, small things like that, which to you and me maybe aren't a big deal, but to, like, my girlfriend Katie, where she doesn't really play many PC games, that's, that's a big turnoff. Because she just wants to play, like, the game, and then all of a sudden, she has to, you know, go to the launcher, and then everything looks weird, because yeah. mm -hmm. the game didn't shut down correctly, and the game launched in safe mode, and, and everything is set to low, and yeah. now she has to go through settings, there, and, like... There's a video, there's a video that linus made a few days ago about intel and amd and why even after everything he still loves intel yeah and it's because just to use the apple line it just works yep with intel you know as as screwy as they may be some of their products right now for their desktop range um at least they work you don't have to worry about memory compatibility or anything like that with them that's the thing with consoles you know they're going to work and if there is a problem if they do break you can either fix it by resetting it maybe reinstalling a game and if at that point it doesn't work and even a reset is not working then the console's borked you and know you, there's no you don't have to worry about troubleshooting it more than you need to more than the initial hey something is really wrong you call up sony or microsoft and warranty it yeah like hey my switch uh the switch my uh switch the left joy con i'm finally after three years i'm getting the joy con drift oh really yeah like 
I avoided it for the longest time, but I finally got it, and it 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 hit while Katie was playing Animal Crossing, and it hit like a fucking like freight train. Like it so got what bad. Do you replace the Joy-Con? Uh, I tried to. However, it is sold out everywhere. So I actually uh. took compressed air. Cause um under the joystick, there's like a little rubber silicone tip. Right. Yeah. So I actually just took compressed air, kind of forced in, and just blew, just to like kind of clean it a little bit, and it helped a lot. But like, you can send it to Nintendo, and they'll fix it for free. If your PS5 breaks, you can just go to GameStop and return it if it's within like the return period, or like send it to Sony right. or send xbox and microsoft yeah if you custom build a computer you have to find out what part broke contact them or like you know new way amazon whatever it's right. kind of kind of a pain or you could go you could go through geek squad and get a warranty through them but to be yeah. quite honest with you not discouraging anyone from building a computer i think that it's a great thing oh yeah I can go on for hours about it mm -hmm. but if you are the type of person who builds a computer and then you have to go to geek squad when something happens Nothing wrong with, against you, honest to God. There is nothing wrong with you, but maybe you should just buy one. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. I mean, because if you were the type of person, and I get that. I know people who are like that. A lot of my friends are like that. You just want it to work. You don't want to have to worry about fixing it more than you need to. You know, I completely get that. Just buy one. There's a lot of places that I can recommend you to get one from. It's not like how it was anymore. Okay, pre-builts should not be um, a dirty word. You know, Puget Systems makes great pre-builds. NZXT oh, yeah. does. Uh, Digital Storm does. There's a ton of really high-end pre-built manufacturers nowadays that if you want to go PC and you don't want to have to worry about the technical side of it other than, hey, my my computer has a, a 1600 in it and everything. You know, you don't want to have to worry yeah. about talking about that. Yeah. About how you have a Ryzen 7 or how you have an Intel or any of that. You don't want to have to worry about that more than just talking about it then just buy pre-built you know yeah. if you don't care if you don't care if you have a 9900k or a 1099k 10990 whatever they're doing now with 14 nanometer plus plus minus you know if you don't need to worry about that so much just buy pre-built go through the warranty with it and go through a reputable dealer and you'll have a great experience nothing wrong with it. yeah but that's the thing with consoles it's quicker to do that with a console than it is a pc now, I actually got one last thing about consoles, then we'll switch to the Apple conversation. Oh, boy. So, I um... the shill for that. <laughs> it's okay. Apple's never going to listen to us anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> never. So, um, do you know about the backwards compatibility between the two systems? If I'm correct, the PlayStation, we don't, we either don't know, or it's not going to be backwards compatible, but the Xbox, we know, will be. So, for the PS5, it will be... We've heard mixed things. Mm -hmm. It will be backwards compatible with PS4. Fact. Like, that's true. Um, I don't actually know if it's compatible with every PS4 game, because they've kind of been a little wishy-washy on that. One uh, Originally, Mark Cerny said it will be compatible with the top 100 most played PS4 games at launch. And then Sony, a few days later, is kind of like, oh, no, it's going to be compatible with all your PS4 games, don't worry. So I'm not exactly sure what the case is. But regardless, in some capacity, PS4 games will be compatible. But it seems like PS3, PS2, and PS1 will not be. 
Uh, the Xbox Series X will be backwards compatible with Xbox One games and Xbox One accessories, Xbox 360, and original Xbox games. What's interesting about that, uh, I have this article from Tech Radar open. They, uh, the backwards compatibility team did an incredible job on the Xbox One. Like, I played Red Dead Redemption 1, a 360 game, running native 4K on my Xbox One, and it was, like, insane. So, they are basically going to allow backwards compatible games on Series X to use all the power of, like, the RDNA 2 GPU and the Zen 2 CPU and the SSD. So, it's possible... You could have... Actually, they showed this. Do you know the old Xbox game, Fusion Frenzy? Like the Mario Party uh, I clone? know it, but I never played it. Okay, it's like a Mario Party clone for the Xbox. Um, they had it running on an Xbox Series S in native 4K with some kind of HDR added. So using software, it added HDR to a game made in 2001. Mm-hmm. And it actually looked relatively convincing. So it's like the Xbox is compatible with all this stuff and they're actively making these old games better. So leads to this article from The Verge going back to that Jim Ryan guy. Here's his quote. It's time to give the PlayStation community something new, something different that can really only be enjoyed on PS5. So what he's talking about is like Like, Xbox, you have Halo Infinite. That'll be on Xbox One and Xbox Series and Windows. So what Sony is basically saying is like, no, listen, this is a new generation. So if we're making a game on PS5, it's PS5. It's not going to be on the PlayStation 4. And it's just, that's completely different than what Microsoft is doing. Microsoft wants you in their ecosystem. And whatever platform you use, it's fine. As long as it's Microsoft. And Sony is basically saying, no, PS5 is PS5, PS4 is PS4, that's it. And I'm just curious what you think about that. Hmm. Because I like the idea that I could buy Halo Infinite on my computer, on Windows, buy an Xbox Series X... And then just download the game and my profile, my save data, my achievements, my everything is there. While Sony's basically saying, at least what I'm gathering, Sony's basically saying, nah. So here's the only thing. I like the idea of it. I really do. I question how it's going to, if it's going to be, not really so much how it can be done. We've seen it before. Um, But I just question if they're going to implement it, really. Because keep in mind, if they, if um the whole thing is that if microsoft really does go through with that fully and they say yeah sure you know you buy a game for xbox or you buy a microsoft game we'll call it because it's going to be for both uh you could use it on both windows on your computer or on your xbox no problem you can use it both the only issue that i see with that is that if something happens later on let's say that brings more people to uh away from xbox let's say not so much to xbox but let's say if something happens to bring them away from xbox more so onto the pc yeah but i don't know what's going to happen and i'm not saying that it's going to but let's just say that does happen and xbox sales start to drop are they going to then rescind that or do something different 
because Xboxes aren't selling? Or are they going to be like, no, that's totally fine. We're more worried about the games. I think they would keep it because I really think they're trying to push services like Xbox Game right. Pass, right? So Games as a service. Xbox, unbelievable. Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. $15 a month gets you a list a whole slew of games on Xbox and PC. And like every Microsoft game is going is on Game Pass. So Halo Infinite on day 1 will be on Xbox One, Xbox Series X and Windows as a Game Pass title. So like that's a pretty crazy like that's a crazy good value. I just like so I love all that. And uh, there's a thing called Xbox Smart Delivery. So basically, it realizes, oh, you bought Halo Infinite, and you have an Xbox Series X. Clearly, you wouldn't want the Xbox One version. You would want the Xbox Series version. So here's the Xbox Series version. Right. So it's basically, Microsoft is basically saying... You'll be able to buy a game, play it on any of these systems. You'll be able to play the correct version, depending on what platform you're doing. Because if you're on the Xbox Series, you wouldn't want a backwards compatible. Like, you don't want the Xbox One version on your Series X. You want the Series X game. So, like, like, I like all that stuff Microsoft is saying. But a concern is, would the Xbox One hold back some games? So, like, Halo Infinite has to be on the Xbox One, which means it has to work on a launch model Xbox One. So, I'm, right. cu- I'm curious, like, would that hold back the next-gen version? I feel like they would probably say you can't... I, I would have to feel if they went through it that fully, because keep in mind, if they went through it that fully, then there's no point in discontinuing the Xbox One X. Which is funny, because I think they announced they are discontinuing the Xbox One X, I think they said. But here's the thing with that, though, because obviously, as games get newer, just again, as we've cited before, the Xbox One normal version, the regular version, is dramatically underpowered. It is way too underpowered. It's not going to hold up in a few years from now. It's not just it's just not going to unless you turn those graphics way down. I mean, keep in mind, I'm pretty sure that games still natively render at 720. I don't even think they render at a full 1080p. I think they just upscale to 1080p. Um I don't think that if they're going to do that, I don't think it's a bad idea. I really don't. Yeah. That would be cool. Then they're really going head on with games as a service and just using consoles as the delivery method. Um, But if they did that, if they really went head on with that, I can't see them discontinuing the Xbox One X. I could at most see them rebranding it as, let's say, the 2020 Xbox One. So then you'd have the 2020 Xbox One, the Xbox Series X, and the PC, let's say, by this time next year. And those would be your three options to play on. If you want a budget system, you get the uh, Xbox 2020 model, fucking whatever it's going to be called. <laughs> yeah. If you want to play on a PC, if you work on a PC, let's say, then you could buy it and you could play it on a PC. Or if you want the more premium Xbox experience rather than the 2020 model of this Xbox One X in this hypothetical world, you'd get the Series X. I can see that working. But I can't see them doing what you're saying what they're doing and staying with the original Xbox One for the next several years. Because keep in mind, whatever system that they're going to do this with would have to be at least compatible for around the 10-year mark. 
Yeah. Not quite 10 years, but close to it. 2013, these consoles came out in. Mm -hmm. So seven years. Um, if I'm correct, this was a short console cycle, wasn't it? In comparison, this was a relatively short one. Well, that's the funny thing, because it is short compared to, like, the 360 PS3 generation. Well, actually, no. Now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know. Because the PS2 came out, like, in Japan in 2000. And I think North America 2000. And then the PS3 came out 2006. So that was like six years. Uh, generations have gotten a bit longer. Now that I'm thinking about it. But uh, I guess my thing is I just find it fascinating that Microsoft is doing this. And then Sony is basically saying, no, we're, we want to create things you can only experience on PS5. And like... That, that actually, I find that really exciting because they're basically saying, "Hey, we have this crazy, like this crazy high-end GPU. We have this ridiculous storage architecture. This stupid fast SSD. We want to make something you cannot experience anywhere else." And I find that really like fascinating. It's just, it's really tough to ignore all the value Microsoft gives you. It is. It's tough to ignore that. Um, to be fair to PlayStation, they don't have that platform. I highly doubt Microsoft would allow that. Yeah. Um, they would probably have to create some sort of proprietary application by which they would do it, and that creates its own set of challenges. Um, but regardless, that to me would say that, okay, PlayStation would need to be the value option, that they would need to, like you said before, like when we were reading that article, they said they wanted to provide the maximum amount of value for the lowest possible price which let's say that price is around the five to six hundred dollar range i think it will um, be that would it would make sense to me for them to say okay let's say the xbox series x is um let's say it's seven hundred dollars like in that theory before and let's say that the playstation launches at five hundred dollars okay yeah um if xbox is going to do what you're saying they're doing Let's say that happens, because I can see that happening. I know they've been trying to do it now, and I know that a while ago they announced that, though, that they wanted to do, um, that they wanted to essentially announce and create every game now that comes out for Xbox. They wanted it to also mirror over to PlayStation, to, not PlayStation, excuse me, over to PC, so that you could buy it for either system. So I can absolutely see this happening. Let's say that they come out Xbox at $700. PlayStation can then come out and say, okay, uh, yes, you can play on PC with your Xbox as well. You can play your Xbox games on either of them. However, you're paying $200 more, and how many of you that are really looking at the consoles have a PC? Yeah. I can bet you money a lot more of them will just be looking for a new console rather than them having a PC. As much as I would love them to all have PCs at the same time, they probably won't. A lot of them will just say, no, I'm just looking for a console. And that's why I think a lot of people are going to end up going with the PlayStation 5 in that case. I mean, I'm interested in the PS5 just because Sony has proven just when it comes to making like a lot of interesting single player games and multiplayer also, but just like, you know, Spider-Man, Horizon, Zero Dawn, Last of Us, Uncharted, Ratchet and Clank, you can just name uh, even if not every game was a, like a success, it, like uh, they had the game Days Gone, which kind of seemed like a generic zombie game. Uh, mm -hmm. 
Bloodborne. My God, uh, you know, Killzone. Like they have all these franchises, and with Microsoft, it they just the. Microsoft gives you a lot of value, which I appreciate, but they don't really make that many games. I'm like, holy crap, I need an Xbox. Like, the games I want to play are generally Sony and Nintendo. But uh, I think that's enough console talk. We want to talk about Apple, didn't we? Yeah, <laughs> we did. I forgot about that. Yeah, and no, I realized we were, we were going on. That was going to be... That, was, that took longer than I expected. Uh, so what was it with Apple? We kind of want to talk about, like things we want to see apple do right was that it uh things we want to see apple do and take a look at what they even have out now seeing what you know we're we'll do a review of their product lineup <laughs> okay um where do we want to start then uh let's do the max let's just go through the max like because... Mac, like the macbook air let's go through the yeah we'll start with that um so for clarity i do like apple products um, I'm not I'm not an Apple fanboy where I'm like, no, you need Apple. If you don't get Apple, what kind of pleb are you, dude? What the fuck is that, a Windows? Mm. No, absolutely not. Apple is good. I find their products to be good. Yeah. I'm not going to say they're not flawed. They have a lot of flaws. Mm -hmm. But I do find their products to be good. Um, and I think they have their niche. So the MacBook Air, I like the MacBook Air a lot, especially considering we didn't have an update for years with the MacBook Air. Yeah. So it's nice to see that we actually have an update with it after all this time. Have you ever used a MacBook Air before? Not any of the more recent ones. Or like in the store. I, I, I don't have one of the more recent ones, but I've fiddled with them in the store. I've touched them a little bit. Yeah. They're fun. They're nice little laptops. Oh, yeah. And let's take a look here. So they're starting at $999 now. That's actually... I question the price point, honestly. Here's my biggest problem with Apple. Mm -hmm. My biggest problem with Apple has always been their pricing is interesting, to say the least. Because here's the thing. $999 or $1,300 for the upscale model, to start with that. And the upscale model with the i5 realistically is the one you're going to want to go for. Oh, yeah. Realistically, it is. Unless you can get an i5 in that one point in the uh, $900 one. Oh, uh, yeah, you can, it looks like. Yeah, you can. Uh, yeah, but then you're a hundred dollars away almost, or two hundred dollars away. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. So that's my biggest problem. This is the weirdest jump I find there to be. So you have the Mac here, the i. Oh my God, I just stuttered. I've never done that before. <laughs> <laughs> you have the MacBook Air here at a thousand dollars starting and thirteen hundred dollars upgrade. My one issue with Apple, like I said, is that you have. $1,300, you can get a MacBook Air, but then you can immediately scale up to a MacBook Pro, the 13-inch, for mm. around the same price, for actually the exact same price point. Uh, $1,299, yeah. So this is my first criticism of Apple on their Mac pricing. They're too close to each other. I think they need to space them out a little bit better because that's the problem here. Because why? unless you need the portability... Which the MacBook Pro at 13 inches is extremely portable. No, oh, yeah. Then why go with the Air? Yeah, like why would I want 1.1 quad gigahertz quad core i5 in a MacBook Air? I can get a 1.4. Not even that 1.1. The 999 dollar one was an i3. Yeah, I was talking about the one that was 1299. Because one for 1299, I could just get the the Pro, which is faster and, and 
That's like, <laughs> and you get the cool, uh, you get the touch bar, mm-hmm. which I don't believe the air gave you, right? Yeah, the air does not give you that. Wait, uh, no, it doesn't. No, no, no. Uh, no, it does not. Yeah, no, I, I, the air does not. I really do like the the MacBook Pros. Like these new these new ones with the 16 inch and the updated 13 inch. These are like these are basically the MacBooks I've been wanting for a couple of years now. What for the Pros? Yeah, they made, the, the 2020 update has been really nice. Um, keep in mind the prices that you're seeing here with the MacBook Pros at the 13 inch are both for there. they're selling the older model as well as the new 2020. Um, the older one only had the dual core in it, as uh, far as I yeah. know. Oh, it's not there now. Oh. They may have gotten rid of it. Look at that. I think they got rid of it. Up until recently, they were selling both of them. I think these are all... Yeah, these are all the new ones now. Yeah. These are great. It's nice to see that we finally get a standard quad core in a 13-inch MacBook Pro. One thing that's interesting, though, is sometimes, like, sometimes Best Buy, like... They may have, I don't know if they still do, but I remember looking a couple weeks ago, 16 inch. Hmm. Yeah. So they like, you can sometimes f still find like last year's 15 inch pros at Best Buy and some other places like on sales and discounts, mm -hmm. but I don't know. They're getting tougher to find now. It looks like. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Plus, with the with the upgraded cooling, I would probably just stick with the 16-inch. The 16-inch is nice. I really like the new keyboards that they put into these with the new Magic Keyboard upgrades. Yeah. I have the original keyboard. I don't hate it like a lot of other people do, but I don't think it's the best. Um, but these new keyboards are much nicer. Yeah. I mean, if I, bu if I buy a Mac, I feel I'm really leaning towards the 16-inch Pro. Well, for you, since you're doing all that video editing and you need the GPU acceleration, you would need to go with the 16-inch because then there's no point in going with the 13 unless you spec it out with the highest CPU possible to get a decent, uh, some decent timeline rendering. And at that point, you might as well just go with the 16. Yeah. And especially, like, DaVinci probably would go, would probably run fine on OS X. Um, Adobe will work. But I mean, it'll work fine. But Adobe, I would probably stick to using Adobe on Windows. But the 16-inch MacBook Pro with Final Cut, I bet that's like a monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. They're nice. Uh, now we're actually gonna go to the Mac Mini real quick. So I actually really like the Mac Mini. I just wish, like, I feel like. For most people, if they want, like, a Mac at home, for most people, the Mac Mini would be killer. The Mac Mini is a nice little thing. I love it. I, I just, love the Mac Mini. It's so fun. Like, the nice thing is... How many how many Thunderbolts does there, this have again? Probably four, I'm guessing. Three or four. Um, doesn't actually take, say, but... Let me take a look-see. But, I mean, for... 1099 you get a three gigahertz six core i5 uh it's got four thunderbolts see so like what's nice is you could totally you could totally run like even if you wanted to play games on it or i don't think there's a gpu on it no but you could just get an external gpu 
True, you could. You could. I don't know if I trust external GPUs yet totally. I think they should continue to develop, but I think they're still too early on to 100% trust for me. But yeah. I think they should continue. Absolutely, they should continue. It's a cool trend. And it's just, it's awesome that you can get a Mac Mini and you could get 10 gigabit if you really want it. Yeah, you could. Like I think that that's awesome. So I actually like the Mac Mini a lot. Um, this is the what's... Only, the only thing that concerns me about the Mac Mini is the cooling. From what because I... Because it is... It's pretty small. It's not tiny, but it is pretty small. I mean, from what I heard, the it actually, the cooling, it does a pretty good job from what I know. But uh, I haven't done too much research into it. Now, here's the one I find ironic. So the first Mac I ever owned was an iMac. I had a 27-inch iMac from, I think, late 2010 or early 2011. It still had a CD drive on the, uh, on the right side. And I love that thing. But just, like, I, I feel like the regular iMacs are the ones I'm least impressed with now. Like, mm -hmm. like when I look at, like, Apple's lineup... The weakest link, it's the iMac. I think so too. Um, the I actually no no I don't actually because here's my thing with it. I still think that the iMac Pro might be the weakest. I think the iMac Pro might be, not a hundred percent, but I think because look at the power that you can get in an iMac now if you spec it out. Yeah, I mean you could definitely get a lot of power out of it if you spec it out. My thing is just like. I guess the thing that just trips me up is just when I see for 1500 you get a fusion drive. Yeah, that's absolutely unacceptable in this day and age. Or I haven't seen fusion drives be standard, otherwise known as hybrid drives. I haven't yeah. seen them be standard since, like, the early 2010s. Or, like, even worse than that, like, the first two options here just give you basic 54 RPM and I'm just like, ugh. Even, even going up to the 27 inch, like, for 22.99, you get a two terabyte fusion drive with eight gigs of RAM. And I'm just like, come on. Like, no. Like, not not enough. CPU is fine. Yeah. CPU is fine. I'll upgrade the RAM. That's cool. You can get Vega, I guess, but like Vega forty eight, interesting. But like, I I can't get over that though. A hundred dollars extra for a three terabyte fusion drive. My problem with that is, if I wanted a spinning hard drive, why would I not just get an external drive that's USB three point one? If I really needed all that space on a spinning drive, particularly, like let's say I just. For me, I would personally go with the 512 gigabyte SSD minimum. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, that is the minimum SSD there, isn't it? They don't offer a 256. Uh, I want to show you this. Do you know this company, 12 South? They specialize in, like, Apple stuff? No, I've never heard of them. I might have to get some stuff. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Check out this thing. It just hangs on the stand of your iMac, so you could totally just fucking buy an external SSD, like a really, really fast Thunderbolt one, slap it back here, and tell Apple, like, go fuck yourself with your expensive SSD. I'm going to just do this instead. I mean, why not, though? <laughs> yeah. I mean, why not? So here's the thing. It's you not can... a laptop. Look You're at this. You're not taking it with you. <laughs> 
Yeah. Get it. Spend the money for the SSD. And then if you need more space than that, if you really oh. need more space than that just for storage, get a spinning hard drive. Yeah, I mean, here, like, look, right? So on this picture here, they have two of them hooked up to one iMac. Right. So, like, you could totally get, like, a Thunderbolt external SSD. And then if you want, like, mass storage to kind of show it here, you can have just, like, a big external spinning disk hard drive. And you can just have them... G drive, I've seen those. You can just have these like hanging off your yeah. iMac stand. The so, only like, iMac that I can see them, I can at least remotely to some extent understand them giving a fusion drive with, and I would not even recommend buying it, is the old one that you see there with a dual core i5, a 7th gen KB Lake i5. It's 21 and a half inch. Yeah. Even that one, I would not recommend. I would recommend spending the extra $200 and adding an SSD onto the one above that if you're going to go for one. Yeah, like, even then, the biggest SSD you can get in this 21.5-inch iMac, it's only 256 gig. They don't even, they don't even let you go above. And there's no point in getting it then, because then once you get up to that, you might as well just start with the other one. So this is kind of what I mean about how I feel like the iMac is like the weakest link. That's like it's this stuff that bugs me. It's 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 the hard drive really. That's the big thing. I mean the 27 inch is better, but it's like, I mean at least with the 27 inch also you get the 5K displays, and you get yeah, Radeon the 5K Pro. Display the 5K display is nice on it. That is nice. Um, I do like... It's like, those are cool. It's just... I want to see new iMacs where it's just all SSD. They really should. Uh, I wonder if they're going to come out with one soon. Mac Rumors is claiming that they are going to be releasing one soon. That there is an update imminent with it. And it's going to be Intel 10th Gen and everything. Something interesting about Apple is that I've been hearing more and more rumors from something I heard a long time ago that they're going to, within the next few years, break off from Intel and just start using their own ARM processors for everything. That was actually a note I wrote down, ironically enough, on my iPad that I was going to bring up and wanted to talk about. So what's your opinion on that? The idea of buying an Apple computer with like their own system on a chip. Like Honestly, whatever. I think that Apple are probably realistically the only ones who can pull that off. Yeah, what makes Apple unique is they were always able to like select what hardware they want, the software, like they control all aspects of the system. And I feel like I'm not saying that Intel's holding them back because Intel makes good chips, but I feel like Apple's been making so many, like, I mean, the iPad Pro is stupid fast. And, like, the new iPhones, the, mm -hmm. they clearly know how to make good chips. So it just gets me thinking, like, I wonder how it would be to buy, like, a MacBook Pro doing serious work on an Apple, like, I mean, what is... What are the chips, they, like the A10, A11, A13, whatever it is? Yes, those are the chips that they use in the iPhone, yeah. So, like, imagine if they had, like, you know, I don't know what they'd call the chips. We'll just say, like, interesting. the Mac 10 chip, the Mac 11 chip. You right, know, yeah. Whatever. Like, 
if if they could make i mean apple could easily make os 10 and their own software work on this stuff no problem and i bet it would be really fast the only thing that concerns me is how are they going to get everything else out there all these legacy apps running on it because like yeah i could buy a macbook pro now using intel or using a, a macbook pro with an apple like custom chip running final cut and it doesn't bug me but i will have a problem when i want to load adobe and i can't right yeah yeah no exactly so i'm just so, i'm curious what you think <clears throat> well i don't know what they would do with that um I would have to think that they would have to give for that. That's a major jump. They would need to give some sort of an advance notice. Um, so, I mean, just looking at the recent migration with the most recent uh, OS X updates, removing support officially for 32-bit applications and moving over to just 64-bit. Oh, did they? You know that? Yeah, that was mm. a recent thing that they did, um, and it did affect a lot of applications. Yeah, I understand somewhat, somewhat why it was done. I can get it. Uh, but they would need to go further with that. If this new architecture for these new CPUs they'd put out does not have support in it <laughs> for applications that are not based off of ARM architecture, then they're going to need to really do something about that. By the way, look, then they're gonna... look how ugly this is. Oh, my God, it's plaid. <laughs> Sorry. I just saw that, and I'm like, what <laughs> is this? But I feel like... I feel like... Spaceballs, they've gone to plaid. Oh, my God. I feel like Apple is also big enough where it's like listen if you're if you're adobe right and then apple tells you like oh by the way the new macbook pros um they're gonna be using our own silicon so like you may want to get on that you know guys uh i don't i don't think adobe could afford to to say back okay, screw it. we just won't we just won't update because like a lot of people going to buy new macs whether it's intel or it's an Apple-owned system on a chip. People are going to buy it anyway. Yeah. So I'm reading something here about it. On There's an article that The Verge put out, and it looks it's just aggregating a few different reports. Yeah. And it looks like they're planning on possibly making the Switch, not totally, but introducing them next year. Yeah. Um... It looks like the very... Wow. It looks like the very first one would be... A total 12 core unit it would five, be a 12 core cpu a five nanometer yeah it'd be five nanometer it'd be a 12 core cpu and it would do the thing that they do with their arm processors that i actually really like where it would be eight cores for high performance and four for energy efficiency and i really like that that's actually a really goddamn cool thing that you can do yeah with their architecture so think of it like this though let's say you are um if you, it, it's similar to the. It's actually the exact same thing for the most part in theory that they do with the iPhones. Have you ever heard of what they're doing with them now? It's basically that. I, I wasn't actually aware of that, well, but that sounds it, cool. It's, it's the same concept. You have a certain amount of cores. Let's say if you have a four-core iPhone, just for example, yeah. two of those cores would be high-performance cores, and the other two would just be energy efficiency. So two of them would get their full use when you're playing games on it, or you're doing something intense with it, or for whatever reason that phone or that what, that iPad, whatever you're doing with it, needs that energy, and then the other two cores would be 
I'm liking a picture on Instagram. You know, that, you know? that kind of reminds me of the new Intel chips because they kind of have like one or two cores that are like the really good ones. And you can disable hyper-threading in the BIOS on those specific cores that are like the high-performance ones so you can maximize like clock speeds. Mm-hmm. And I, that is like a fascinating concept. But I'm reading... I am reading about this rumored Mac with, like, Apple processor on the verge. And this is saying they're working on three computers with it, like, with their own processors. It would give Apple much more control over its own hardware at a time when Intel has been struggling to offer significant performance increases. That is true. Uh, ARM processors are a lot more power efficient. The interesting thing, and this I think would be, I don't know if Apple would do it, but this would be incredible. Apparently, by switching to their own ARM chips, it could apparently like save Apple like forty to sixty percent in terms of just like processor costs mm-hmm. instead of having to pay Intel and do all this stuff to get an Intel chip to work. They make their own chips and it would save them money in the long run. How great would it be if you can have a Apple like laptop with potentially better battery life that's maybe also cheaper? That would be great. I don't <laughs> think that Apple would do it though. Yeah. I think that everything that you're saying, higher performance, lower battery life, great. Not saying that's impossible. They can absolutely do that, Apple. Even if they're in, on their own architecture, too. I think it's 100% doable for them. I don't think it'll be cheaper. I think they'll say, well, you know, we were able to manufacture this one for $1,000. That's $300 less, let's say, than the previous model. Let's charge another couple hundred dollars because it's our shit and not someone else's. I'm sure Apple would do that. I'm so positive of it. Yeah, I... Part of me is just like, it would be like, I'm just being like hopeful and I'm like, oh man, if they could just cut like 200 bucks off a laptop, that could make like a huge difference because like, if you could save like, I don't know, 100 to 200 bucks, right? Then I could go, oh cool, that 200 bucks I could put into getting like more RAM or something, but it is Apple. So at the, and I'm not necessarily blaming them because if I could get away with whatever I want to do pricing wise. I mean, why not? I guess that's business. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I really do want to see, especially I would love to see it in a Mac mini. Mac mini and like portables. I wish they would do more with the Mac mini. Oh yeah. That the the Mac mini is a great little, it's a great little Mm -hmm. system. I kind of want to get one. So yeah, I mean, it's it's really nice. I kind of wish they would find a way to put a GPU in there. I, I kind of wish they would. Just a small GPU. And something. I, w- I want a great cheese with the Mac Pro. <laughs> Speaking of which, so here is something that I was just thinking of. I actually. Some We're talking about all this. You can grill some tacos. You can grate some cheese. You can fucking scrape some skin off your back. You can do anything mm-hmm. with that bad boy. That sounds like a delicious taco. <laughs> so here's here's something I'm thinking of, though. I'm comparing on my screen right now, just to take a look at it. I'm looking at the iMac Pro and the Mac Pro. I'm trying to get a good idea of which one is really the better value for the money. Yeah. 
That's let me. Let and me I, join I, you. I'm having a hard time really saying definitively one of them. I'm looking now to see if I can get some more information. You get Xeons in both. Well, you get an eight-core Xeon in both. It's the same. It's probably the exact same Xeon, just clocked differently. Um, you do get a different GPU in each of them. The iMac Pro has a better GPU in it. It's got a Vega 56 versus a 580X on the iMac, wow. on the Mac Pro. Yeah, you're right. Wow, and the Mac, the iMac Pro gives you by default a one terabyte SSD, and the Mac Pro does not. You get 256 gig. You know, I think the more I think about it, I think it's a moot point again because I'm realizing the truth here, and it's the truth that's been around for a long time that we've all known and that we've used to make fun of the Mac Pro in a lot of ways. Um, but it's really the truth about it and that the Mac Pro is really an enterprise-grade solution yeah. where the iMac Pro is a prosumer solution. Yeah. So you wouldn't buy an, a Mac Pro just to use in your office. That's not something you're going to buy because at that price point, for the one that is just $1,000 more, only $1,000 more, keep in mind, than the iMac Pro, it's not really – it's kind of worse in some ways. It's got a little bit better processor. The processor does boost a lot higher, mm -hmm. it looks like. Um, oh, actually, no. I take that shit back too. The <laughs> iMac Pro boosts a couple hundred gigahertz higher. It's just got a better base clock. I mean, my, my gut just tells me – that if I were to buy one of these for all my podcasting, video production stuff, I need to buy one of these two, I would get the iMac Pro. I would probably agree with you. I think I changed my opinion. I would probably go with the iMac Pro. Plus, not to the mention, Mac you get that 5K screen. The Mac Pro really is, at the end of the day, something for a company to buy. That's not something that you're going to buy on your own. Because here's the thing. Let's forget the CPU for a second, okay? Because a jump from 4 gigahertz to 4.4 gigahertz, if you jump up to the 12 core, is great. But you're not going to go for the gigahertz jump. You're going to go for the core jump, in truth. So let, actually, you know what? Let's throw it in there. Let's say you want a 12 core CPU in that one. Another Xeon W. 32 gig of ECC memory is fine for a lot of things. So I'm going to leave that. Let's say you upgrade it to something similar to what's in the iMac Pro. Let's say a a fifty seven hundred a Radeon Pro fifty seven hundred X. Yeah, much more powerful. It's a sixteen gig card with GDDR six, but still, it's an upgraded GPU. And then let's throw in the same one terabyte SSD. We are already at eight grand. <laughs> yeah. Plus, not to mention, if you want to get those nice wheels, that's going to be another four hundred dollars. <laughs> What's this I'm hearing about the wheels? They're, oh, God. Did they really? <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. We were talking about the Mac Pro, and I was making fun of the wheels. <laughs> the wheels? No, the wheels... All right, we'll start from here. I think the wheels are just the same symptom that we saw with the Pro XDR display. This isn't something that you're going to buy. This is something that you're going to have a company buying in bulk for for their users. And I'll be honest, as ridiculous as it is for that stand to be $1,000, let's just say, okay, you buy the whole thing, the display, because the display was, what, 
five thousand, and then you buy the stand. The stand is yeah. So six thousand. So I have to remember it. I saw a video. I think it might have been good old Linus that posted about it. The, I think from what I understand, number one, this display is competing against displays that are two to three times minimum its price point. Exactly. So that's number one. That's why it's so expensive. Number two, the reason that the stand is that much, it was presented very poorly. So that's not to that's not to you know give Apple a pass. They did present it very poorly. They didn't explain it. Um, it, it they it did it came across like they were charging a thousand dollars for a stand. I get that. I'm not going to say they're right about that. They should have done better with that, and they could have. But the reason that the stand is a thousand dollars is because a lot of these companies that are getting these will not buy the stand. They'll mount it on their own hardware. Yeah. Apparently that is the reason why. And to an extent, I can get that. But again, I, this, it was presented in a very weird light, and it could have been explained a little bit better. Yeah, I mean... But it is a really good-looking display. Yeah, like, as expensive as it is, and, like, for most people, yeah, you don't expensive. need it. But, like, considering a regular pro display is, like, you know, 12 to 15... 90, 99% of people will not need this, and out of those 1%, I would say only half of them really need it. The other half is going to be comprised of companies who are buying this for their editors and people who work at home with this. So like YouTube content creators, for example, that make a ton of money doing YouTube or editors, video editors that live from home or color graders, things like that. Artists. I don't see that being that's not a display for someone who's, you know, a prosumer that is in whatever's above prosumer enterprise grade level. That's the quality of that display. A prosumer display would be something like the LG 5K display you can get, the one that's over Thunderbolt. Yeah. But uh, I feel like it's popular to bash them just because it's Apple. And it is popular to bash sometimes them. Sometimes they deserve it, sometimes they don't. Yeah. I don't think they really deserve it with the display. But you want to hear something totally funny? They still sell iPod Touches. That's so funny that they still sell them. I can't believe they still sell iPod Touches. You know, I was actually contemplating getting one. Why? Because my phone only has 64 gigs storage, and I have a lot of music. And since I walk all day for my job, I don't want to... Like, my initial argument was I don't want to drain my battery listening to music all day. True, true. But... I've been listening to a lot of podcasts and I actually got YouTube premium so I can like mm -hmm. get like a YouTube video shut right. off the screen and yeah, I do that too. The battery the drains faster, you know, streaming than it does playing music natively, but my battery la is like perfectly fine. So like I didn't buy an iPod touch, but like, I'm not gonna lie for a little bit. I was thinking like, Oh man, like, kind of want one but it makes no sense for me to get one because it just makes no sense but they still this makes me laugh they still they still do the good old ipod touch the only i gotta admit though the thing i have the least experience with is the apple tv i know people who use it um i i can't really comment that much on it but i do know people who have it i'm interested because you know they have the 4k one that does hdr um, it would, it's probably my friend has an old one, like a, an old Apple TV and it actually loaded certain things like Netflix faster than my Xbox. 
Really? Yeah. And I, it got me thinking, like, huh. If I got one of the new ones, it would probably be a lot faster, and it'd be compatible with Apple Arcade. You mean their games that they have? Yeah. Do you know about the Apple Arcade service? I know that it's, yeah, it's a paid service, and you can get their iOS games for, like, a certain amount. Yeah, so it's, like, over 100 games. Um, It's $5 a month. There's no in-game purchases. There's no advertisements. It's $5 a month to get the games on iPhone, iPad. They work oh, on nice. Apple TV. Um, they're adding Apple Arcade to Mac. So that one purchase will get you stuff on like all their platforms. And it's not like it's not just entirely dumb, stupid games. Like, you know, yeah, you get your random like SpongeBob running game, but there's like Choo Choo Rocket from Sega. There's um Oh, what's that one what's the one game? Oh my god, I can't think of the name of it. But, like, there's one called Manifold Garden, which actually looks really cool. There's a um, Mind Symphony, which kind of looks like a bullet hell game. Oh, didn't mean to play that. Uh, some, like, vehicle games, like point-and-click adventure games, Red How Out. How much is it a month? $5. Okay, I thought it would be more than that. That's not terrible. If you play a lot of iOS games, that's not bad. And, like, I actually had I had Apple Arcade for a little bit to try it, and it was really cool. And it's like, I wouldn't play a lot on my phone, but my, I would on my iPad. But if I had the Apple TV, I would play it on there. So like, How do you play it on that? You can use a controller? Yeah, so on Apple TV, as well as iOS. Well, I know iOS and I, th I think Apple TV. I believe they're all compatible with... So, like, you can buy, like, a wireless controller. They sell them at Apple stores, but... Of recent update allows you to use uh, PS4 and Xbox One controllers. Oh, nice! So you can just take your Xbox One controller, hook it up to like the Apple TV. So it's like, I don't know. It's a that is nice. It, it's cool. It, it's cool stuff. Yeah, I I just don't know if there's enough with Apple TV though for me to really justify that purchase. Oh my God, he is. The, uh, let me think. Was there anything else we wanted to talk about since I have the website uh, open? No, I think that's it. Apple I think Watch. we should. <laughs> Apple Watch is fantastic. I'm, I love my Apple Watch. I have nothing to say other than at some point I'm gonna get one for like keeping track of the like, calories and stuff. Do you have a? Do you have an iPhone? Or no, you have an Android. I have the iPhone uh, 10R. Okay, yeah, I, I love the Apple Watch, and I've used android watches as well i used android wear when i was on android and i i absolutely love apple watch i and wear it every the day thing, i think this is the other thing that apple does well that other people don't quite get they will do something like the ipad and when it came out i'm guilty of this too it looked like a big ipod touch yeah. i'm like yeah. i'm like i don't get it what's the point and then one day you go like this is basically a giant iPod Touch or a giant iPhone without the phone. Ha ha ha, this is dumb. And then you don't look at it. And then you look at the iPad two years later and you're like, oh, look yeah. at all the stuff. And like when they announced no, yeah, the I Apple agree. Watch, I laughed because I'm like, why would you want like a watch like this? I don't get it. And now when you look at it like Series 5 and I'm like, oh, okay, well. 
Shut me up. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I the oh That's the thing. You know, Apple does a lot wrong, but they also do a lot right, and I think the thing that they do right most, even though they have issues with innovating, I think that's their biggest issue, um, is that they haven't innovated as much as they used to in the past. But I think when it comes to refining what they have, I think they're on point with that. I think they're very good with refining. And I gotta say, last thing I could think of, the iPhone SE, that is a monster. That's a fantastic phone for the price. For There's $400 for, like, I have the, the, the 10R. I'm pretty sure the iPhone SE has a better, like, chip than mine does. I'm pretty sure it's, like... The 10R? I think so. Uh, let me... Yeah, it's an A13. It is. It's basically like an iPhone 11, isn't it? Yeah. No, it, it's very... Yeah, I think it might actually be the exact same specs for that. I think that it might have the same... Let me look now. I think they both have A13s. So it's just like, man, like that's the one thing I hate. That's different. When it comes to phones, there's really one thing I hate the most that Apple does. Yeah, it's an A13. Um, I think the one thing I hate the most that Apple does is that between, let's say, things like the iPhone 11 and the iPhone 11 Pro, you have a better screen with the Pro. You've got a much better camera, a uh, little bit better build quality and things like that. But what else is there really for the pro that is worth going for? Yeah. You know, what? let's say the camera on the 11 is good enough. Let's say I tried the camera on the 11 and it's good enough for me. I like the iPhone 10, 11 Pro's camera better. I've used it. It's a fantastic camera. It's unbelievable. But let's say the 11's is good enough for me. And let's say the screen is good enough for me. Why would I spend several hundred dollars more on the pro i think that's the one thing that apple does not do good with the iphone i think when they make something like that i think for the pro they should have done like let's say an a13x chip in it yeah an a13x not an a13 you need a more you need to also make the claim that it's more powerful the one thing i'm gonna give them credit when it comes to like the regular versus the pro when i feel like they do a good job is actually the ipad yeah yeah, because there's a very nice distinction there. I mean, you get more iPad, storage, you get the yeah. definitely better camera, but like the 120 hertz screen is and like the processing power too. Yeah, the iPad they do it very well with. Um, the iPad does have its issues again, though. I think the two realistically oh, and it's uh, USB-C. That's yeah, right. Yeah, it's USB-C. Um, Forgot the the iPad itself, like the base iPad, I think is a fantastic deal. You can get oh, that yeah. almost always for like 250 bucks. That's unbelievably good. From there, you have the iPad Air that I don't know about. I don't know how I feel about that, specifically. The iPad Mini, I can understand to an extent, because let's say you want an iPad, but you don't want a large iPad. Let's say you want a smaller tablet. I yeah. get it. It's funny because it, it's more Air, expensive. Why? It's funny because the regular iPad is, I think, like 320 330 bucks. MSRP, yeah. The mini, the mini is three ninety nine. The Air is four ninety nine. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so and then you have a massive jump to like seven ninety nine for the Pro. But again, with like the screen and whatnot, I, I at least get it. No, I get it. I'm not saying that the Pro is overpriced necessarily. I think it's a great device, um, especially now with how well it's developed and continuing to develop. I think it's a fantastic device. I think you know what it is. I think the Pro is one of the best devices for someone, let's say, that has a main computer and then wants something on the side but doesn't necessarily want a laptop. Yeah, like, I've considered 
the iPad Pro for some of the stuff I'm doing. And I think it's very close. Um, like for me, for example, I looked into that. I looked into getting an iPad Pro instead of my uh, 16-inch MacBook Pro. Uh, the reason I even got the 16-inch, I don't need the processing power. I wanted the screen. I didn't know that I was going to have a 4K display next to my six, my 15-inch iPad. I oh my god, iPad, iPhone. <laughs> my my 15-inch 2019 uh, MacBook Pro. I didn't know that I was going to have a monitor uh, at my desk that it's at now. So I had gotten that for the size. Yeah. However, I probably would have gotten the 13-inch uh, otherwise. Um, I didn't necessarily need the processing power, but regardless, the reason I went for that over the iPad was because it's not exactly a, it's it's not a trivial matter to write code on an iPad. It can be done, but there's a tremendous amount you have to jump through in order to do so to actually write and execute code on an iPad, at least the code that I would be writing. So that's why I went for that. But I think there's a couple more things that they could do with iPad OS, and then I think it'll be a fully fledged. Uh, I think it'll be a fully fledged laptop replacement if they do them. I'm just, is there a way to record, like, for example, like, I can use OBS, you know, on the computer to record the podcast, like I'm doing now. Is there a way to do something like that on the iPad? There is a screen record on it. I wonder if there is. I wonder if you could. Also, I forgot this was an option. You can use an iPad Pro, or maybe just any mm -hmm. iPad. Oh yeah. As like or an extension, display, whatever they call it. Um, sidecar. Sidecar, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's yeah, cool. That's a great idea. Like, oh man. That's the. I think that's the thing that Apple does best is that their ecosystem is really. I can't say, and I like Android. I like all that, but I can't say that they they match it. I really can't say that any ecosystem for any product quite matches Apple's seamlessness. No, they they got that down like. They're they're ahead of everybody with that for sure. It looks like there are some ways that you can do it on an iPad. Um, I'm look. I ha we have to look into it a little bit more, but it looks like there are some ways it can be done. Yeah. But oh, and WWDC is going to be June twenty second. Probably virtual, I would assume. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's going to be online. Curious what they're going to be talking about. Well, probably like Xcode. Didn't they switch to Swift? Yeah, Swift UI. It's right there. No, no, but it's Xcode. Just... Well, it's Xcode 11. And Swift UI. Yeah, I don't know really that much. I'm not an app developer. <laughs> I So I don't know too much about those. Oh, I forgot about that sign in with Apple thing. That's, I love that so much. The fast and easy way to sign into your. Dave, do, you so know, what... do you know about that? So are they adding an API that allows you to sign in with your Apple ID? So you can do this now. So basically, let's say you want to sign into an app. Uh, the app needs to support it. But if it says sign in with Apple, it basically creates like you sign in with this thing. So instead of them sending emails to like your Gmail account or whatever, you and it doesn't even go to an Apple ID. It kind of goes to like a mail relay thing. So like on your Apple ID, like your Apple iCloud email, you can see like emails going to this other thing, but it's, I'm doing a really bad job of explaining it. There's a video of it that I should probably just show you, but um, 
it's I'll find the clip and I'll just show it to you so you can look at it but it's a cool feature You know, I'll find it. I'll find it later because I don't remember the exact. Yeah, name. send it to me later. We've been going for a while now. Yeah, we're gonna actually have to call it quits. All right. So we'll reconvene next week. Yeah, that sounds maybe good. We'll, maybe we'll have a better script in place rather than just going on tangents. Script? What? What's that? <laughs> what's a, What's a script? <laughs> the thing. Yeah, I, I don't like those things. <laughs> good stuff though. We'll we'll be, we'll yeah. keep in touch. All right. All right. See you guys. See you. Geek Region Network.